0: Hi, this is Manny Wolf. Welcome to Awaken Nation with Brad Zalas.
1: A huge shift is taking place on planet Earth. People seem to be waking up. Tired of the way things used to be, they are creating something brand new and changing the world we live in. My name is Brad Zales, and I get to sit down with the next generation of idea makers, the disruptors and the game changers. Everyday people just like you and me from all over we're doing amazing things welcome to awakened nation hey ladies and gentlemen i got a good friend of the show and uh we should have had him back sooner but he and i got into a discussion about something i'm really passionate about uh manny wolf welcome to the show uh i love this um topic we're about to discuss it's near and dear to my heart because uh, my dad told me when i was growing up and we'll talk about this he goes they're dumbing you down and i was yeah. the next generation yeah and then i saw it with we sent my nephew to private school in mm-hmm. the public school kids so we'll talk a little bit about that how are you doing otherwise i love the backyard now that it's done you get to enjoy it oh yeah while.
0: dude it yeah it's fantastic um i never thought i'd like living in a brand new neighborhood but what I never counted on, and this is really interesting, is because everybody is coming to the same neighborhood at the same time. Right. Every, everybody is so friendly. And, and so, like, just sort of, like, interested in making it feel like a community in a way that uh, no other place I've lived really does. Like, huh. we actually have kids playing in the street together, which is almost like That's, a lost thing, you know? Like you. Don't, it is.
1: Yeah. We should talk about that because you're you're you you're hearkening back to a day yeah when America was about community. You know, nobody yeah. was uh I remember when you bought a house, you were there for 25, mm-hmm. 30 years, you raised your kids there, maybe 50. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah. I just love how you did the backyard, by the way. I'm very zen. I mean yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Blackstones and all that. So Namaste. Uh uh love it, my friend. Uh but um yeah, today's show. Uh, should wake some people up a little bit. Uh at least I hope so. Uh it's one of my near and dear uh projects and uh I try to learn and I did part of my TED talk about this, but our educational system is broken in America, ladies and gentlemen. Wouldn't you say that
0: Manny? Mm-hmm. Um it, it is now and it has been and uh I think that yeah, so without giving too much away and and stealing your reveal, um <laughs> what I've like- noticed is even pre-pandemic there was there was a lot of talk about reforming fixing revolutionizing changing education and the fascinating thing was when i dove into it when i really peeled back the layers what i saw was iteration masquerading as innovation to to just like i was flabbergasted yeah it's like this isn't different this isn't new this doesn't speak to what like the, the, the verdict is in on what people need for success and fulfillment. That's not a mystery anymore. No. Right. We've, we've, as a, as a, as a, as a species, we've figured that one out. Mm -hmm. The things that, that contribute to fulfillment, uh, job fulfillment, career fulfillment, family fulfillment, life fulfillment is it's, it's pretty well known. And it seems like Everybody's, I think, just rebranding things as like, oh, we're fixing education, we're revolutionizing education, and and just nothing, nothing remotely like that is actually happening. <laughs>
1: you know? Yeah, I agree. Yeah. But let me lead into the show. I'm gonna read your bio. For those of you who aren't familiar with Manny Wolf, in his life, he has gone from being an addict and small time criminal, living outside the law, to building a multi-million dollar construction company becoming an international best-selling author of the memoir, The Tao of the Unbreakable Man. Manny Wolf is teaching people all over the world how to grow their expert businesses using simple lead generation tools and social media, Mm -hmm. speaking internationally about branding and marketing, and now he's squaring up with what he considers to be a broken public education system. Welcome back to the show, Mr. Manny Wolf. Thank you, brother
0: yeah so good to be here, man. yeah.
1: uh for those of you uh, you know, I'll put it in the show notes, your first appearance on the show, The Dow of the Unbreakable man and your story is gripping, you know, to go from a small time criminal to to realizing and waking up, uh hey, I can't live my life like this to now having a family wife, uh, uh living in a great neighborhood. Um, so let's kick this episode off with what made you, start to realize like really realize that the educational system is just it's busted in america the public education system is busted
0: well i mean i i think i knew on some level you know since going through it right you know i went through it and it was it was all long before i had the information or the language to talk about um you know the industrial revolution and uh and how um schools were really designed to sort of prep people for factory work but it was uh it was deliberately designed that way the the modern public education system is barely any different from the one first created by Horace Mann in response to a group of industrialists who came to him and said here's what we need We need an education system that will prepare people for the work world. Right. Back then, that was the work world. The work world was factory work. (sighs) Create a system that would allow, that would prepare them for factory life. Because 250 years ago, factory life was 12 hours a day. The conditions were really brutal. And and it took a a major adjustment. And so what we have today as public education is, is a barely changed, barely changed version of what we first had whose whose intent was to create factory workers he said he basically said workers are
1: like uh cattle yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and
0: and people still quote him after that now here's what's interesting brad we still need a public education system that will prepare people for the work world <laughs> right <laughs> right exactly <laughs> but but the work world is so different now and it is. Yeah. And when it's you talk is. about, yeah, well, when you talk about the education system being broken, um, I think that's what happens when things turn into bureaucracies. Well, the the
1: way we're taught today was actually developed, um, you know, the 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 one that's spun out that we have now, but um, Horace Mann, and before that was Charlemagne. Yeah. Char, Charlemagne actually realized that if he taught this group one thing, and this group, another, they would fight okay, because <laughs> yeah. they were getting different information. And, you know, Charlemagne had like nine concubines from all over the world. So some of us might be related, but <laughs> um, you're absolutely right. And they they took some of that military ideology of, okay, you do this, you pass the test, you move forward. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: adaptation.
1: And so industrialization required you shut the hell up, put your head down and you work the machine.
0: That's it. That's right.
1: it. But today, and you can see this in Daniel Pink's talk. Um, the science of what the surprising science of what motivates us. Yeah, they started to discover that um this kind of work doesn't help us in this century. Yeah. Because we're doing more intellectual work. Right.
0: right. So
1: what's gonna happen in the future? Manny, talk about this. Everything has advanced. Automobiles have yeah. advanced. Right. Uh jet propulsion has advanced, but when mm-hmm. you walk into a classroom, you see the exact same uh, tools yeah. that were used in the 1500s, yeah. in the 1200s. <laughs> and then Plato, this is the yeah. stuff that Plato was using. Right. Talk about that. It's the only, it seems like the educational system as a business, mm-hmm. okay, has not advanced one iota.
0: Yeah. I mean, there are always people who want to sort of like insist that it's advanced, you know, an iota or two. And my yeah. argument is always like, you're right. It has advanced an iota or two, but meanwhile, we as a society or you could say you could argue that, um, uh, uh, the whole world has gone through multiple revolutions of, um, Stephen Covey said back when he wrote the seven habits of highly affected people, which was now what, 20, 20 years ago. Yeah. At least. So he said then that we're moving into the knowledge worker age. Right. And that represented two significant um, sort of iterations on where we were when we were factory workers. Now we've moved into yet another age and the ages are going to keep progressing faster and faster as technology progresses faster and faster yes and so here was the here was the the foundational thought for for what my company is advantage education academy and mm-hmm. what we do is really you know it's a it's a company built on a very simple idea the execution not so simple the idea very simple and it's this since all research shows that People who have what we call the soft skills, right? which is like you and I, that's our stock and trade, right? Absolutely. Soft yeah.
1: skills are like, I can look in the eye, communicate with you, take right. complex information, yeah. put it up on a pie chart, and then talk mm-hmm. to you about it. Yeah. Those soft skills they've discovered recently in recent studies, those soft skills that used to get, you got made fun of, or you got fired right. for talking too much, right um, are actually necessary for you to advance in the 21st century.
0: Well, they're the biggest indicators of of lifelong success, which is important, but and fulfillment. And this is what I think is so fascinating. There was a a study done by Stanford. Mm -hmm. Separate to that, there was a study done by Harvard. And separate to that, there was a study done by Carnegie Mellon. Weirdly, all of them came to the same conclusion that soft skills are responsible for 85% of success and fulfillment. And I can't stress that enough throughout life. Wow. So we, we're we all familiar with the the sort of idea of the person who reaches the highest peaks of success with no fulfillment, right? Right. Why not prepare people from, let's say, I don't know, school for success and fulfillment? Yeah. If we know that the equation or the, the magic ingredient is the soft skills, then that means that if we can reconfigure the learning environment so that soft skills are given uh, uh, what you might call an equal place at the table to academics, because I'm in no way saying folks that academics aren't important. They absolutely are. Yeah. You know, academics give our minds new ways to think about conceptualize and solve problems. And that's really important, but the soft skills are, you know, uh, what's a good analogy if the academics are the engine, the soft skills are the tires and the wheels. Gasoline. Or the gasoline, right. Yeah. And so this, this was the biggest sort of uh, revelation or or sort of insight I had when studying all the so-called revolutions in modern public education. None of them, none of them focus on soft skills with the possible exception of Waldorf. Okay. And Waldorf is it's esoteric. I'm not here to say it's right or wrong, but it's very esoteric. And frankly, it's extraordinarily expensive. Yeah. So, you know, and and I'm not here to take a side either, but it's also, it's meant to attract, uh, or, or it does attract, uh, extremely liberal people. Yes. And so that's not right or wrong, no value judgment, but here's the thing. If you're not extremely liberal, let's say you're center, you're right of center, you're, you're whatever, you find the ideology to be off-putting, then you're not going to want to put your kids there. Right. And therefore, in the sort of options that are available to us, you don't really have an option that's comparable to Waldorf for the soft skills development, because I think people are are, are perhaps rightfully concerned nowadays, too, about... You know, their kids being exposed to stuff that is counter to their values, their beliefs. Well, and I think we need to respect that. Yeah. Well, we,
1: I think certain things do not belong in the public education system. Correct. Yeah. When I was growing up as a kid, and we're talking in the 60s and into the 70s, I couldn't tell you once um, the gender identification or if right. my, I knew that some of my teachers were married. Mm -hmm. I did not know if they were gay. There were some that we just assumed, hey, maybe maybe Mr. So-and-so is gay. Um, And we didn't care. Nobody cared. Right. uh, Because you respected the authority of the teacher. There was a hierarchy in that classroom. But I never knew any of my teachers' sexual orientations. I never knew if they were married. I didn't hear a a word about who they were dating or if they were single or whatever. And that, I feel, is the way it should be. You're there to teach. That's number one. Right, yeah. Yeah. and, and again, no judgments. If you are, we actually, a lot of us have very liberal values. You know, we care mm-hmm. about our fellow man. We're yeah. not racist. We want to see right. other races succeed in, in America. We want to bring together this milieu of wonderful ideas. Yeah, We just don't want it in the, uh, certain things in the classroom and we don't vote that way. That's the difference. Mm-hmm. And so that, uh, you know, we, right now we're on this, um, I guess they're teaching compassion now, but I'm seeing, how does that work in the real world? Okay, good. I have compassion. By the way, I I think I'm kind and compassionate because I was abused as a kid. Yeah. So I learned not to be like that. So that's number one. Number two, right now, as we are recording this, Elon Musk, everybody's giving him a hard time for firing all these people uh, in Twitter and all this. And I saw somebody say, you know, that is the most uncompassionate thing I've ever seen in my life, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I said, this is the real world, Yeah. okay? Well, there were people at this company that were making $120,000 a year. They were only working four days a week remotely and they were collecting that kind of salary. Mm-hmm. That to me is uncompassionate on the side of the employee, oh. okay? So when he fired them, uh, he got rid of dead weight and that's the real world. I feel there's a huge disconnect, Manny, yeah. between the real world and what they're sitting there teaching in a classroom. And as they always <laughs> say, you can't teach what you don't know. Mm-hmm. And the one thing I've always complained about, whether it's Dale Carnegie, Napoleon Hill, uh, Emil Kue, yeah. these are success gurus. There was some mm-hmm. of the first, by the way, mm-hmm. both yeah. international and 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 here in America. And you don't hear anything about them in a classroom setting in public school or even college, it just isn't there. How do you become
0: successful? Right. Period. Yeah. I mean, in, in a nutshell, my thinking is somebody has got to just change that. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. That's, what, yeah, that's what we're doing. So, so the proposition for advantage education Academy is, uh, it, it's pretty simple. It's academic success plus soft skills mastery equals lifelong success. Right. And so what we've done is we've developed a a, a process, an approach, a methodology, even a philosophy of how to tutor kids. So this is this is perfect for um, kids who whose parents think they need tutoring. Right. Now we have longer term plans to become a full, a full school offering, but right now we're tutoring. Yeah. Excellent. But the tutoring is done in such a way that the children understand that they're part of a team. They understand that, that, um, you gotta, you know, there are certain things you have to do as a, as a, as a sort of a good team member. Right. You gotta know when it's time for you to lead. You gotta know when it's time for you to follow. You gotta know how to brainstorm right and you've got to know how to communicate with one another yeah you you've got to know and this i think is the foundational piece brad you got to know how to exercise critical thinking and first principles reasoning mm, wow. i just want to i just want to shoot off for a minute here and say go ahead if we had a generation that was really versed in critical thinking and first principles reasoning I think it's safe to say that most of the social problems that we see today would be minimized. Yes, I agree. You could have a strong foundation in critical thinking and you could arrive at liberal points of view or conservative points of view, but the thing is is you wouldn't have such fear, hostility and animosity for the other side right. because you'd be able to know how to think things through. Yeah. And so that's really the goal. The goal is Yes, academics are incredibly important, but so is first principles reasoning. So is the Socratic method. So is critical thinking. So is brainstorming. So are the 12 foundational principles of leadership. So is how to, uh, like, dynamic listening. These things are, these are the soft skills. These are what, when you have these, pretty much dictates that you'll have a life that not only has success in it, but fulfillment. And I think at the end of the day, what parent can honestly say they don't want success and fulfillment for their kids?
1: It's so true.
0: Yeah. Yeah. My, my father had a,
1: he was a doctor of chiropractic medicine and he had a bachelor's in um, chemistry and he had a bookshelf full of psychological books, self-help books, success Mm -hmm. principle books, including, Carnegie and Napoleon Hill. And he never taught them in the house. He, he just told me what he wanted me to do. Mm-hmm. I had a, I had a day runner before day runners existed. I had yeah. a schedule up on the kitchen wall, had all my chores laid out, everything. And my dad was teaching me through a little bit of hard knocks. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause you know, he wasn't, there was no wiggle room <laughs> with my father. He was tough, but yeah. I swear to God, those, things gave me the, the ability to be where I'm at today. Um, one of the things I remember him teaching me was how to print and write properly and then how to speak. So you remember the Dick and Jane, uh, you know, not, um, books that they they had, I had those in Catholic school. So my dad would make me read them as if I was a professional announcer. Mm -hmm. So here I am six years old going, Dick and Jane walked up the hill. You know, and you know, my I was embarrassed because my classmates would look at me like, well, who the hell are you? You know, it's like yeah, yeah. um, but fast forward years later, and I can connect the dots to this, and you'll see it uh in this story. But I was hired by the American Management Association to develop two classes for millennials. One is how to track their trajectory uh, in a corporation, you know, Mm -hmm. how to rise up and do all this. And then the second one was basic communications. What has changed and shifted and how do you have to communicate in order to collaborate? Well, I worked on this for three, four months. We're going through details, what we're going to do. And we, I, we developed the the course. So it was also based on visual learning styles, as well as, you know, auditory and, and, uh, kinesthetic. And just when I was about to teach it, they found out I didn't have a bachelor's degree. And so I wasn't allowed to teach the courses I created, despite <laughs> the fact that I was probably the most successful entrepreneur that had ever walked through their halls. Yeah. And they, they rejected me simply because I didn't have the paper. I had an associate's degree and I had some classes from new, uh, New York university, Yeah, but they, you had to have a bachelor's degree. And I'm thinking, you guys are missing out on something huge because not not everybody takes a, a company public every day. Not right. everybody goes <laughs> yeah. from an entrepreneurial startup to multi million dollar company raising seven million dollars in private private and public money yeah. and, and does it on Nasdaq and gets quoted in you know Fortune magazine, you know Crane's Business Week advertising. That doesn't happen. So there was right. this mm. disconnect. That that because I didn't have
0: this, I couldn't Mm -hmm. do that. Yeah, and that's what they needed the most. Yeah. Well, you bring up a really interesting point the the landscape. Well, especially in tech, right? But the landscape in in all sectors of work where you are judged by what you produce Mm -hmm. is shifting. Okay. One of one of my sort of heroes in that space is the the ex head of people operations at Google, a guy named Laszlo Bach. Mm-hmm. He was the first one to publicly say, from a big company, "Hey, guess what? Degrees just aren't a, me- a guaranteed metric of performance or success." You know, and Google, yeah. of course, was famous in the beginning for only hiring people from Stanford and MIT. Oh. And then Eric Schmidt came in and and he said, "Guys, you can't do this. You're building you're building a um, a, uh, um, an a silo. Echo you're yeah, building, an echo chamber. Right. You you need to innovate. And unless you get people who think differently than you, you'll never do it. And so he famously talked you know the founders of Google into rethinking everything. And and then he came out and he said at a certain point, you know, Google sort of led the charge on. We don't hire based on degrees anymore after being the company who was the most known for hiring based on degree, Well, well
1: I'll give you my own personal uh, thing. Uh, when I had K2 design and we were public and all this, and we were building up to public, let's put it that way. We mm-hmm. started hiring a lot. Yeah, So we hired four or five people in a row that had master's degrees. Now, yeah. I'm a business owner. I sign your checks, but I'm not going to sit here and, and, and not... Respect that degree. You worked hard for that, yeah. and I was just like, "Wow, we we got on board these people with master's degrees." You know, I had to fire yeah. all of them except the one, yeah, uh, and that was Leslie Howard. God bless her. She's out there right now. She's listening. Leslie was a dynamo, and I used to test her. I used to act stupid and question things like again. And I know I frustrated her, but she was the the kind of bull that she she would just get onto something and she would make it work.
0: Yeah. And
1: yeah. all the other ones, the reason they got fired is because they would put their feet up on the desk. They would, they would work for two hours in uh, yeah. an eight hour shift. They go, can I go home? I finished my work. Can I go home? And it was literally like, what, where is this attitude? They were the worst employees ever. Yeah. Now, maybe that shifted, but those four that we had to just get rid of, it was like, my God, do you, do you not know that? You know, they thought they should be the owning the company and right. telling me yeah. what to do, and yeah. I was just like, "You didn't take the risk, my
0: friend." Um, well, I think that I think the lesson is is again that that a degree is not an indicator of performance or success. It's exactly. only an indicator that you managed to get the degree. Yeah, and it's a really important distinction. And so, yeah. you know, if we're if we're facing a future, which I personally am incredibly optimistic for and excited about, but I'm an optimist, you know, so yeah. sue me. <laughs> but crazy. You're crazy. If, <laughs> if, if we're facing a future where uh robots and automation will be taking sectors out of the economy, right? They'll be yeah. doing whole sectors worth of work. So that's a reality. Yeah. If innovation keeps moving at the at the rate it's moving and you know moore's law suggests that it will yeah so if you guys don't know 18 moore's months <laughs> is yeah every 18 months the size gets cut in half and the processing power doubles of computers yeah and so that puts us on this hockey stick trajectory toward really like a star trek future like a future that that you know was was nothing but science fiction 20 years ago yeah in fact just as a fun anecdote in my lifetime, I remember reading an article with somebody from IBM who said, voice to text is too complicated and it'll never happen in our lifetimes. <laughs> <laughs> and now you've got it on a phone that you can get for 40 bucks a month. Yeah. So yeah. like, this is, this is the reality that, that I want people to not be so stuck in dogma and just see. Yeah. Your feelings about it are irrelevant because it's coming. It is,
1: yeah. Uh, I don't know if you knew, looked at the work of Nicholas Negroponte, but um, he inspired me back in the day, back in the nineties. Yeah, I, I love yeah. his work. Yeah, he was uh, one of the team that developed uh, MIT's Media Lab. Mm-hmm. Okay, all this internet technology and yeah. Wi-Fi and everything. He, they're the ones who developed what we're going through right now, based on the work of like you know Tesla and all these other yeah. people. Yeah, um, and Bluetooth and things like this. Mm-hmm. So they would test it out and do all this stuff. Well, Nicholas Negroponte started to realize uh, as he traveled around the world to lecture, he started to see that in these third world countries, uh, the kids were having classrooms outside and they were barefoot. Yeah. Yeah. And they didn't have any of this 20th, 21st, 20th and 21st century skills mm-hmm. at all. They, he what And he said, I've got to do something about this. So he started one laptop per child. Right. And he ran around and he got developers. And this is kind of, they haven't changed uh, any of the pricing models. But because of his work, because he pressured all these uh, original electronics manufacturers, OEMs, um, to up their game, they were able to create a, uh, I think it was a 13 to 15 inch laptop with uh, antenna on it. Uh, for under a hundred dollars. Yeah. Yeah. And he got each of these countries to pledge a certain amount of money to be able to buy them in mass. And so they, they had their own hand cranked mm-hmm. because these were places that didn't have electricity. Yeah. So they would hand crank the, the uh, laptop to keep it, you know, the electricity running. Yeah. They could, uh, access wifi through the ears that were on the side. Um, and the screens were super bright, uh, and they would adjust automatically to the light source, you know, in the room or outside, um you know the the technology just took a huge leap but this is what's happening today ladies and gentlemen if you want to know what we're really talking about here is your children your adult children some of them have been prepared with technology and some have not now that's neither right or wrong we're still going to need plumbers we're going to still need electricians and people but here's where we're we're talking about our educational system went off the rails Maybe twenty, thirty years ago, it was beginning to when I was in school, mm-hmm. but they aren't preparing your children and your grandchildren, your great grandchildren for yeah. the skills today that are needed. Right? Um, <laughs> you know, when I was a kid, you had four paths when mm-hmm. you went to high yeah, school. That's right. Uh, we had academic, mm-hmm. we had business. So if you were in business, you learned to type, you learned how business worked. Academic, you were being taught uh, college vocabulary words. You were to being taught high end stuff. And then they had future farmers of America. Uh, I grew up in a farming community. So all these guys were learning how to milk cows. Uh, they were learning the science of planting crops, yeah. um, weather, you know, moon cycles. They were studying all this stuff. And then the final one was Votech. Mm-hmm. So if you wanted to be an auto mechanic, an electronic engineer, you went for half a day over to another building on the other side of town and you got trained by a master technician in that particular area. And yeah. it was fun. Nobody judged it. Nobody was like, oh, you want to go to college. Everybody was gravitating to what they wanted to do in life, what they mm. loved to do.
0: Yeah. And we we seem We're, to have lost that. We've lost that. that. We've <laughs> Big, lost time. That. Big yeah. time. Yeah. Um, so there are a number of contributing factors and forces that, that I feel like explain why that's happened. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. I'm willing to bet that most parents whether you can put your finger on it or not you you know yeah you something wrong that something's wrong with public education mm-hmm. well, I'm here I'm here to suggest that when you strip away all the sort of external problems like like I don't remember where the quote comes from but there's a famous quote that says a, bu- a bureaucracy of any sufficient size can only do one job which is to support the bureaucracy Yes. So that is what public education in the United States is. Right. In the last 20 years, um, administrators, principals, and other executive level employees have been, uh, there's been an 88% increase in those in public schools. There's been a, a 22% increase in teachers. And mm-hmm. now, but by the way, that's old data. Yeah. So since COVID, uh, I believe that we are losing teachers, you know, at, at a dangerous rate. Right. But, so yeah. there's only been an eight percent increase in students. Whoa! So this is insanity, right? And this is right. This is an example. This is using statistics to point to how bureaucracies operate. Wow! It, it's such a phenomenally bizarre kind of a thing, but bureaucracies become self-serving. Yes. So if you strip away all of that stuff, really, so that's features, right? That's issues. But what you should be concerned about as a parent is, will my kid be prepared for the next step, having gone through public education? That's your only real question. Yeah, yeah. And the answer is, again, the data is conclusive, that communication, collaboration, creativity, critical thinking... These are the things that propel a person forward in life and make the quality of their life better. Yeah. So your kids need more. You want to know that your kids are going to have good careers. They need these soft skills. They do. And this is what you should really be thinking about, in my opinion, that your kids are going to have rich, meaningful relationships. They need soft skills. They do. Um, One of the things we were, let's back up a minute. One of the things we were talking about
1: is critical thinking and things like that. I started yeah. to realize years ago two things were being removed from the school system: logic, you know how to how to properly think to solve a problem and get in certain outcomes. Yeah. yeah, And shame was removed. So logic yeah. plus self, uh, you know, uh, awareness, self analysis of, of of yourself yeah. has has uh, been removed, and we see the result right now. We see the result. One of the, the the things that I always go back to is Bruno Bettelheim wrote a book back in the, I think it was the late 1700s, early 1800s, where he said the use, the many uses of enchantment. And he said, when we remove fairy tales and the lessons we're supposed to learn from these fairy tales, mm-hmm. we wind up having adults who don't actually know any moral, they don't have a moral code mm-hmm. and they don't have a, a logic center. And uh, there are two or three of these fairy tales that have been removed um, to, to actually, so kids don't actually question things. So the, like the one that I always look at is the emperor's new clothes, Yeah, which teaches you, don't be so damn gullible. Yes. <laughs> okay. Basically, that's what <laughs> it does. You know, and sometimes that kid in the parade goes, Hey, look, the king is naked. Yeah. Um, you go, Oh, Oh, okay. Henny penny is another one that says, penny Penny's a good one. Yeah. Are you running around? um or i think in europe it's called chicken little or something or whatever Mm -hmm. but um you know when she's running around going the sky is falling the sky is falling you know because a branch fell on her head and then uh, she gets everybody involved and they all go the sky is falling and then they realize she's an idiot you know so it's like um (laughs) bruno Bettelheim was right when you remove enchantment this idea where you can read something and go oh my goodness you know um i don't know if you ever saw the book or read, um uh, read the book or saw the documentary the deliberate dumbing down of america um it's all in there what what the agenda was
0: yeah well i feel like i'm living it i don't i didn't see it but i feel like i'm living through it <laughs> yeah so um of all of all the stuff that you just covered i i feel like i really want to share that what i think is timely right now is the fairy tale I can't remember yeah. which one it is about the chicken or the rooster who runs around and asks basically, "Who among you will help me harvest my wheat?" Oh, oh, not me, not right now. I'm too busy. Okay, that's right. fine. Well, who among you will help me thresh the wheat? Oh, well, I can't because I'm you know too busy. Oh, yes. Well, who among who among you will help me make this this wheat into dough to flour? Oh, well, I can't because I'm too busy. She winds up doing all the work herself. Who among you will help me bake the bread? Nobody. <laughs> then the bread comes out of the oven, and everybody feels entitled to to a slice of it. Yeah, you know. And of course, she says, "Well, you weren't around. You weren't around to help me make it." So, yeah. you know? <laughs> um, we're what? we're alluding to, of course, like participation trophy culture. Yes, right. And um, I, I mean, I did that to with my son, and to my to my regret i think it was a huge social reaction to how strict the parents of the 50s were yeah you know that was that was a strict way of approaching parenting kids and that came right out of the great depression right and the great depression those parents were like i don't care if you like me or not you'll be prepared if this ever happens again right i'm going to drill into you would amount to survival skills yeah, and and i honestly i give this a lot of thought brad i think that was like an immune system at at the at the social level at the level of humanity that was an immune response like we'd better figure out survival skills and i don't yeah. think parents did it consciously no they didn't it sort of cropped up into the the collective consciousness yeah
1: Mm -hmm. And we're in a day and age where I believe that young people don't even know any of these skills whatsoever until they get into the military. And and quite honestly, most people aren't prepared for life. I find this fascinating. Uh, We took my nephew, Sebastian, up to Harvard and MIT. And when we got to Harvard, because he was smart enough to get into these schools, um, one of the guys giving the tour, actually two or three of these young men that were giving the tour, we asked them what they were getting their college degree in. They said, women's studies. And I just looked at my sister and I said, how are they going to make a <laughs> living? Cause we're, I mean, women's studies should be a class, not a degree. Right. And I'm thinking to myself that they're not preparing them. Harvard yeah. is not preparing them for the right. real world. Cause where, right. where are you going to work with a degree in women's studies? Yeah. Uh, they used to give you on the job training. You didn't yeah. need a college. Many of the college degrees I see today we're actually on the job training when you and I were kids, right? And I get it. You know, we're developing uh, work-related uh, um, jobs that we couldn't predict when it's when it's going to happen, or if they exist, or how they they're being created on the fly. And for some reason, the universities try to keep up, but I feel like they they just did not uh, do a good job. Because some of these degrees are never gonna get you a job.
0: Yeah. And yeah. So I mean there's there's so much to unpack there. The yeah. universities are an interesting sort of adjunct to our conversation here because first of all, they're for profit. Yeah. And in some ways I think that's good, and in some ways I'm not so sure. The other thing is, you know, there they're a classical liberal arts education is a thing of value. And that, that that a classical liberal arts education is meant to create a well-rounded person. Yes. Right. It it's from it it really was a, a distillation of sort of how the aristocracy uh and the and the very wealthy were raising and and um sort of fostering their children. Right. It was meant so that. You could speak informedly on a wide berth of subjects. That you could, you know, like, like I guess it would be like, you could wrestle fairly well. You could do archery fairly well. You could paint fairly well. You could play a lute. You could extemporize on topics fairly. You know what I mean? So that's yeah, like a classical liberal arts, well-rounded education. And uh, the 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 sort of hyper focus on specialization became more and more valuable and i can see why because as the world moves forward we get so much so interconnected and there's so many different things that you you it's not realistic to expect people to have a, a classical liberal arts education anymore There's too much right. there's right. too much stuff there so specialization is important uh and, and you know it's just sort of like a simple way to think of that in my mind is it just wasn't a good equation between for-profit schools and hyper-specialization. And then you've got <laughs> the 60s radicals, which actually you and I are products of that generation. Yeah, we are. Yeah. Um I heard this the other day I found this fascinating most of the 60s radicals when the when the movement the the sort of anti-government movement of the 60s didn't really work they went into education yeah so a huge number of of these like revolutionary types these and, and you know I don't like the outcome but I was there and I respect what they were trying to do back in the day yeah. so I'm torn but here's what I can say they have influenced the direction of education yes you know a huge preponderance of of um oh god what amounts to quasi marxist thought yeah yeah has gone into the education Be- sector
1: because karl marx felt that in order to um have his work happen mm-hmm. the the collapse of capitalism had to take place right so that added to the work of uh eric blair also known as george orwell uh along with a couple of other uh well-known scholars uh i don't know where they got this idea that socialism will work this time or marxism or communism will work this time it hasn't been yeah. done right the problem is is You can create these things in a vacuum with a small group of people that have agreed to work within the commune. That's where the word communism comes from, Mm -hmm. but you can't force it on other people. And the only way to force it on other people is right now, the government takes full control of your whole life. You don't own anything. You can't keep the money that you have earned from your inventions, your creations, and they like to say, well, you know, government's going to manage and distribute the the profits and everything. Well, government has, that's not what they're going to do. Okay.
0: And we know because they're a bureaucracy.
1: Exactly. (laughs) So it's all self-serving. Hey, uh, I want to talk about, um, you know, the deliberate dumbing down of America. Mm -hmm. And for those of you out there who are not familiar with this, the deliberate dumbing down of America is not only a documentary, it is also a book. And it was written uh, by uh, this woman had served uh, during the Reagan era uh, to uh, Ronald Reagan assigned her to work with the education, the department of education. And her name was Charlotte Thompson Isserbit. And what happened is she started to realize she came up with these great ideas where kids would be able to embrace and get more intelligent and they could, they could learn and they'd have all these structures Within the, the the public school system, so they could be successful in life. Everything that happened uh, that she presented got shot down hard, mm-hmm. and she spent a few years there. And she realized they were never going to let her um, do anything because yeah. they had been infiltrated. And it, basically, the book traces the history of education, mostly in government schools, but some in private schools and private home schools, from the late eighteen hundreds to nineteen ninety nine. The author shares people's names, companies, uh, government organizations, national and international groups that have had their fingers in this deliberate process over the years. It is very disturbing. Some of them were people you would have thought you could trust. The main agenda, cutting through all the smoke and mirrors, is to make people lemming-like so that they will follow the enlightened towards a global, godless Marxist society. And uh, I suggest everybody get the book. And also... Look at the, um, the documentary. And before she died, if you go to her website, just look up the deliberate dumbing down of deliberate dot com. You will find uh, she talks about the Soviets being in the classroom, back to basics and reform, exposing the global road to ruin through education. Uh, the, these aren't conspiracy theories, folks. This is someone who worked hard in the system and got slapped down every step of the way. Uh, they need compliant taxpayers for the bureaucracy to continue. And Manny has come along and wants to end that a little bit by giving your kids something really great with the Advantage Education Academy. Hey, uh, where do we um where do we find out about uh your work and also the academy? Where do we yeah. go? Yeah.
0: So you can just go to advantageeducation.academy, dot academy. Okay. W advantageeducation.academy. That's just the website. Um, I will include for you, we've just so quickly, and I know we didn't get to this in the main body of the conversation, the process that we've developed to simultaneously encourage great academic success and soft skills is something we call the SPARK method. OK. And it's an it's an acronym. It stands for uh, Sprint, Present, Ask, Reveal, No, mm-hmm. And that's very superficial. But what it does is it outlines a process for how the teachers approach the teaching. So there's no teacher at the board, student at the desk mentality. It's all very interactive and it's meant to create these these really these four outcomes of communication, collaboration, creativity and critical thinking by modeling. And that's really important. Wow! If you, if you try to teach these sort of top down, they don't take, right, or at least not very well. But when you put kids in an environment where they know they're part of a team, they're watching out for their teammates, their teammates are watching out for them. Suddenly all of this stuff just comes naturally. And yeah. it's so amazing. Anyhow, yeah.
1: They become supportive, yeah.
0: Yeah, well, they become team members, right? And they become individual sort of like team members and leaders, and it, it's just a beautiful thing. And when you respect the other people on your team, what happens? Well, you care about how you communicate with them. You pay attention to the the um, uh, effectiveness of your collaboration together. You right. want to exercise critical thinking so that you know you're making the best contribution you can And all of that releases your highest levels of creativity. Yeah. And you also have to look at your team members and see who has the
1: strongest skill sets in certain areas. Right. And who needs a little help. Right. Yeah. And, and the next generation loves this stuff because they're already doing it in gaming technology. They're already playing with other people around the Mm -hmm. world, around the country. So this, this ties into the, the, them already within their learning style. Oh, yeah that's brilliant. I
0: love that, Manny. That's good. Well, so what we'll do Brad is uh, I'll give you the link and anybody listening can just get the um it's it's a mini book right about advantage education in the Spark Academy including if you're a parent and you maybe you don't you're not ready to come to us yet but you'd like to incorporate the the sort of like the soft skills values we've got a training on how to be a Spark method style homeschool parent or facilitator oh that's great yeah so i think this is fun
1: they should sign up for summer as well you know because uh, just doing a couple of things with your parents because this is a different generation than our generation we didn't want to hang with our parents right but they consider their parents their friends and their mentors so Mm -hmm. this is a chance for the parent to get involved and help them actually develop some of these skills these life skills that they need yeah uh, while they achieve their goals Uh, I think it was either Dale Carnegie or, uh, Napoleon Hill who said, how, uh, would you reform education? And I think it was Napoleon Hill who said, let the students teach the class and everybody's like, what all the teacher's job is, is to mentor them through the process. So they gain confidence. They all begin to study the the subject matter as a group, and then they get to present as a team. Um, this is very exciting what you're doing, my friend. Very exciting. Hey, everybody. I want you to reach out to Manny, uh, and say it again, advantage, uh,
0: advantage education dot Academy.
1: Yes. And, uh, there's some freebies up there. Get on the mailing list. Yep. Um, this is going to be, uh, expanding really, really quickly. And I want you yeah. to get involved in this. So, uh, what do you see as the future for this? Because I know you have bigger plans and you've asked me. Yeah. More. So, yeah, I'd love to see this.
0: It's a three-phase rollout. <laughs> Phase one is tutoring and educational support because the the sort of bleeding neck problem is the achievement gap caused by COVID and caused yeah. by just the general decline in the quality of education in classrooms. Right. So that's front and center. we got to fix that. Mm-hmm. That is what the tutoring is for. You, you come in and instead of getting tutoring that just helps pass tests, you can get tutoring that helps pass tests and prepares the kids for life with these glorious soft skills we keep hammering on. Phase two is a full on um, alternative to public school. Right. You know, and, and so that's where Acc- we go. accredited, accredited degree. Actually, kind of- that's interesting. We're not going to be accredited because we don't want to be beholden to bureaucratic Uh, restrictions. yeah, And just let me say for the first, I know there's someone out there listening going, yeah, but what about college? There are, and I've researched this, a many, many avenues to college without having to have gone to an accredited high school. Awesome. (laughs) Yeah. And then phase three, this is my favorite, free private school quality education for all kids everywhere. That's the goal. That is awesome. Excellent. That's, the, that's the mission.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, look for Academy. Get in mm-hmm. there. Get to know Manny. Uh, Manny Wolf, look him up. I'll leave his website in the show notes. Uh, get his book, The Dow uh, of the Unbreakable Man. The Dow yeah. of the Unbreakable Man. I loved it. It it really is stuff you learn through the School of Hard Knocks. Yeah. <laughs> It's like uh, really this. hard knocks uh, i think the most powerful moment in our first interview is when you're holding a gun in your hand that someone had given you yeah. and said go kill this person because they stole yeah. your stuff yeah and you're holding it in this oily rag and you're staring at it and you realize this was the moment
0: to get out of
1: whatever programming you. that was
0: in. that was the rubicon that was like the no turning back moment and i i figured out a way to Disappear from that whole life rather than cross that sort of untake backable line. You know? Well, uh, I've always admired your work from a distance and then got
1: you on the show. And I admire what you've been through and what you've achieved. Um, it's very interesting. You know, the lessons, you and I could probably compare a few lessons. Yeah. Uh, that we learned the hard way. Um, but we we, you see this in very wealthy people, they coddle their next generation of kids and the wealth is gone by the third or fourth generation. And you and I are living proof. You probably more so of digging way out of this, this gunk, you know, uh, being, being on the streets, the mean streets, yeah. really doing it, um, and rising up to be a pillar of society. Don't take away Ladies and gentlemen, with your children, don't take away these hard lessons. They may yeah. hate you for it. They may be pissed at you, but they will come back someday. They'll look you dead in the eye yeah. and they'll say, "You know, Dad, Mom, I didn't appreciate you then, but I do now. You, yeah. you were you were hard on me for a reason. Yeah. Um, and it's good to be tough with your kids. Um, certain lessons you cannot carry them across the water. Yeah. Uh, or as uh, uh, Jim Rohn said. Yeah. I can't do your push ups for you right <laughs> exactly
0: <laughs> yeah so absolutely any, man
1: any anything you want to say in closing, manny, this hour went by so quick. I'm yeah. excited by the work you're doing uh I'm gonna list in the show notes um you know the deliberate dumbing down of America, manny's websites, his trajectory, everything that he wants get the 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 little book he's gonna offer you for parents as well yeah. um get involved in your kids and your grandkids' education because um, their future depends on it. Their yeah. real future, not this made up. Hey, you can, you can go teach somewhere. Uh, no, you gotta have, uh, as Richard Mayberry says in his book, the clipper ship strategy, you have to be able to set your sales for the direction you're going to go into yeah. that, you know, is going to be profitable for your kid. Yeah. Um, so Anything I would you want to say, say,
0: yeah, I would say the further we move from public education and the industrial revolution style of, of classroom, right. the more that the soft skills matter. Yes. And that's really the, that's the foundation for, for building this, this thing in the first place. The less we can predict what the future holds, the more we can guarantee that being a valuable team member and contributor and having the ability to collaborate with people will ensure success and fulfillment yeah so there it, it is. was part
1: it, it was part of the reason why common core got yanked because when i looked at the mathematic problems that they wanted to do i started to realize what they were attempting yeah. and what they were attempting to do was smart kids were now looking at these problems going what the ha- why do i have to have 15 Different levels to my work to figure out what five times seven is. Right? Why? Because they can do it in their brain. Yeah. And the kids who weren't that bright—I don't want to say dumb—but the kids who weren't quite, you know, up to academic standards, this was creating uh, a very complicated way to solve a simple problem. And I started Mm -hmm. to see what was about to happen, Manny. They were developing children that were going to grow into adults that would have brains that weren't developed enough they would co- make everything complex when the solution was right in front of their face Yeah, through mathematics. And yeah. a lot of you, I know people complain, why did I learn algebra in school? Hey, were you comparing, pr- were you comparing prices uh, at the grocery store today? That's algebra. Were right. you getting the right angle while you were driving or parking your car? That's geometry. Okay. Yeah. This is mathematics in action. And if you don't have mathematics, if you don't have certain subjects, if you don't study certain things in the curriculum that they've slowly removed, your brain doesn't develop correctly, folks. Your child's brain will not develop correctly if they don't have certain subject matter skills and activities that develop those parts of the brain. And Manny is on the cutting edge of bringing that to you. Please reach out to him, Manny. Thank you so much for being on Awakened Nation today, my friend. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Brad.
1: All righty. Hey, tune in next week, my friends. And we're about to start season five. So uh, get ready. We're going to be rocking and rolling. Thanks, everybody. Take care until next week. Thank you so much for being a big part of the Awakened Nation movement. This is how you can help me and our extraordinary guests. If you guys enjoyed this episode, please share it out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And let's grow this movement by word of mouth. Our success will be because of you. Thank you, and see you next week.